0: This is Tom Cosgrove, and you're listening to Friars on the Farm podcast. It's getting better all the
1: time. Welcome to Friars on the Farm. This is Donovan, and with me is Roy. Oh, man, what a crazy weekend in Mexico you have City. You to admit, it's getting better. I, first things first, happy birthday to Lucas Dunn. Lucas Dunn, Team Germany, up in Fort Wayne right now, celebrating his 24th birthday. Happy birthday, Lucas Dunn. Yeah, happy um, birthday, Lucas. Moving on to a nice weekend for the Padres in in Mexico. Right. And this during this episode, we're going to chat about the Mexicans,
0: Mexico City Series. Uh, we're going to go over a Mad Friars interview with Philip Wellman. Wellman. Um, we're going to uh, give a little tease about what may be coming on the prospect side about a certain catcher uh, that's still back in Arizona. And then we're going to
1: do the affiliate rundown this speculation, the, the the news is speculation that came out today in the UT. But oh, but first, it's tasty speculation. Right? It is. But first and finally, finally, like Brett Sullivan finally is in the books. He is on the books. He has a hit and it's huge. Right. Yeah. A player makes their debut. They get into the game.
0: I For a pitcher, they've got to get that first out. Uh, you know, maybe a first win is nice, yeah. or a first kind of a stat, and for a hitter, I, for a position player, I feel like getting that first hit is when they finally can say, "Okay, I've arrived, I've done it."
1: Yeah. No matter what, they can't take that away from you. You are in. You are in the annals. Annals of. Major League Baseball, professional major league baseball.
0: Right. He got a single up the middle. Um, I, I hope that we see a little more of him. So far, it's yeah. been a lot of Austin Nola. Yeah. And then like once a week, they give Sullivan a start. Um, I think he came in late as a as a they, they pinch hit for Nola at one point um and then brought Sullivan in to close the game out. But other than that, it's been the the Austin Nola show. As long as Camp has been out. I, I would love to see Brett Sullivan get at least one or two more starts uh, before it sounds like Camposano is going to be out for a while.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say. Like it, it from, from Bob Melvin, it sounds like he's least by the end of the week. They'll look at it again. Then he'll start a, a throwing program right now. He's only uh, catching. He's only throwing right now. So it looks to me like he's at least 10 and they're 10 days away. Right. He hasn't think. swung
0: a bat. He hasn't yeah. uh, put a glove on his hand for catching, which makes me wonder. I mean, was it more than just, I mean, yeah, how much of a stinger do you get when you're catching somebody like that?
1: You know, as a catcher, anything in your hand is definitely going to take a little bit longer. They're going to be very careful. You know, Camposano could be, certainly be the future of catching, um, despite even Ethan, Ethan Salas uh, for the organization. So you want to make sure he's ready. You want to make sure when he does come back that he's 100%, if not 110%, if that's possible because he's still trying to make a name for himself. He's still trying to establish himself and he comes back a little early with a hand bothering him. It can bother him behind the dish. It can bother him behind, you know, at the plate. Um, you just want to have him plenty, you know, there's no rush. Right. And in the meantime, um, you, you
0: got to keep Nola healthy. You know, you you can't burn that guy out having him catching six games a week. Uh, so I'm I'm Team Brett Sullivan. I want to see I want to yeah. see what Brett Sullivan can do. I know he's done so much uh, for the Chihuahuas. Um, I want to see what? what he can do at the major. I believe he can hit at the major league level.
1: Yeah, well, and that's the thing is these guys come up and they sit on the bench. Um, it happens all over Major League Baseball where they get a couple at bats a week, a, a game a week, you know, two games a week, where they don't have a chance to establish themselves or even give themselves a good look. Right, um, you know, baseball is so so hard. You know, it's like the pinch hitter. Like the, you go in at the end of the game against one of their better reliever guys, and you're expecting to get a hit. Right. We're talking about other callouts, dude. End of the podcast. little belated
0: podcast mojo, maybe. Oh, it still <laughs> applies. It applies for sure. Congratulations, Tom Cosgrove for uh, for finally getting the call up. He was added to the 40-man roster last fall to protect him from the Rule 5 draft. Yeah. Uh, and so you knew that this was just a matter of time. Um, he got called up. I think he got called up before we talked last week, yeah. um, but he hadn't gotten into a game yet. So now he got into yesterday's game, recorded it out, and timing, just fortunate timing, uh, he got credited with a win. So... First, first game, he first win. He got to wear the City Connect jersey. He's the first player to make his major league debut in Mexico, so yeah. he's already a, a, a part of baseball history.
1: Well, and I, I love what Melvin said about uh, asking about you know Tom Krause's performance was getting coming in in a tough ballpark, absolutely moon, um, getting the wind, and that kind of helped him be a part of the team. Like the win solidifies him being a part of the team. And I, I felt that kind of turned on him. he might be a, a little bit longer than just a like a cup of coffee. Right. Yeah. Ray Kerr came up and
0: when we've seen Ray come up, he comes up, pitches in a game or two, and goes back down. I was hoping that Cosgrove would would wind up taking more of a long term kind of a stick. I I guess we'll see what he does, you know, the next couple of times out. Um you, maybe hopefully we see a couple of blowout situations where they can put him out there and let him have an inning uh, yeah. to himself and really show what he can do and then earn the trust of the, the guys on the staff.
1: Yeah, we'll come right back to, to Petco Park. Um, that's probably going to be the case over the next three days. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to welcoming him. I'm going to be at the game tomorrow and
0: Tuesday, so I uh, get to welcome him out to the bullpen and congratulate him for uh, for joining the elusive club. What is it, 11,000... Right. 000- People have uh, been major leaguers.
1: He's not one of them. <laughs> or three times the amount of people that are going to Oakland A's games. Oh, right? that's Ouch. Tough. I'm sorry. I know that's tough. Um, All right. So tell us. Him. Tell us about the one other thing that you noticed. That well, uh, the one of the one other thing I read was so for the Mexico City uh, series they had 27 people and Brandon Dixon was recalled for that 27th person, but they also needed I, someone else. I'm not sure exactly how it works. But Michael Cantu was brought with the team, was not activated. So in today's game, before I popped on here, you see the like a shout out to the bullpen, and there's Michael Cantu sitting back. Oh <laughs>
0: sitting man. Sitting in the bullpen. I, I think what it is is that they had a little bit of a more expanded um uh Roster. taxi squad. Yeah. And so then he could be maybe he was the bullpen catcher during during the game, freeing up uh uh Andrade or or Somerville. Um but yeah, that's he's knocking on the door then. If yeah. and, because if something were to happen to Austin Nola or to Brett Sullivan, Camusano is obviously not available. Yeah. And when you're playing in Mexico City, it's not as easy to get somebody to just hop on
1: an it overnight. Uh, it's a little more complicated than that, I'm sure. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he stays through the weekend. You know how it goes. Like one day, you know, okay, they send him back, and then like two days later, they call you up, and he really hasn't gone anywhere. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm not reading too much into it. I,
0: I'm a, a, expected to see him head back out to El Paso, maybe maybe even once the team gets on the flights to go back to San Diego. Yeah. Uh, but regardless, to get to hang out, rub elbows, and, and stay in the five-star hotel, and have the nice fancy dinner with everybody. Yeah. I mean, that's the treatment that these guys, you know, no wonder Ryan Weathers' family was so salty about getting sent back down. I'd be bitter about that too. It's like, yeah. oh man, I was staying at a at the Ritz-Carlton last week and now I'm back in El Paso and I'm staying at Residence Inn and it's just not quite the same.
1: It is not the same, but let's move on. So I'm, I'm really excited about this interview. So John kind of a couple of weeks back was in El Paso and, uh, and interviewed Philip Wellman. The El Paso Chihuahuas, uh, first time AAA manager of the El Paso Chihuahuas, Philip Wellman. Yeah, but he's a he's a minor league lifer. He's been
0: he's been managing in the minors for what thirty plus years now.
1: Yeah, like thirty six years <laughs> since the lower 80s. Since the, uh, I said lower eighties. Um, but anyway, so let's get on with this. This is real fun. So, uh, Coniff, you had Fernando Tatis Jr., Joe Musgrove, Drew Pomeranz, and Adam Engel on the major league rehab assignments. What exactly is your role when these players are there, Philip? The most important thing that the organization will check on is that they are healthy and stay healthy. I'm sure they're thrilled with Fernando, what Fernando did here, but they're even happier that it came out of it healthy. That's what Josh Stein, uh, the Padres' assistant general manager, jokingly told me on Saturday night. Enjoy your last one tomorrow. Make sure he finishes healthy. <laughs> you know, almost something almost goes, just make sure he stays healthy or you know what's going to happen. um wellman says you can't control that but we do our best it was a little different with fernando because he was healthy when he came here as opposed to the other guys then medical staff sends us a protocol that might state how much they play what days they have off and things like that your role is to make a cog in the organization just doing your part
0: the next question Matt friars uh, asks uh thought the story on brett sullivan's promotion was great can you share that so Philip said, it was after the game on Saturday, and I don't think anyone on our team had any idea it would happen. It's nice to have fun with things like this once in a while, especially for a guy who's never been to the big leagues and has been busting his tail as long as Brett. I told them after we won, and they probably wondered why I was calling a meeting. I said, sometimes things can wait till tomorrow, and how you guys played is meeting expectations. That's the way you play the game. And then I said, every once in a while in our careers, you get the honor and the privilege of telling someone who's never been in the big leagues that they are going to the big leagues. And I turned around and Brett had his three-year-old son on his lap. (laughs) I said, tonight, Brett Sullivan, you are going to the big leagues. And he just was so happy and he got to share it with his son. He had no clue, and it gave us both chills, and it's our reward for doing this job. The whole clubhouse went crazy. It was a lot of fun. And I, I can't get this shot out of my head of yeah. a little kid sitting on his lap with freaking ice cream everywhere,
1: <laughs> thinking everybody's cheering for him. I just got chills. We've talked about it for the past two uh, episodes, and I just got chills reading that. And, God, it is, it's great. And I like how Willie didn't fool around with it. Like, some of these are a little bit long, and they're like, okay, just get to the point. Like, like tell them. We want to hear We don't need three minutes of, of suspense.
0: Now, uh, yeah, but- it sounds like Phillip's pretty much a, a you know, straight shooter, get-to-the-point right. kind of guy. I pulled up his numbers. He's been managing in the minor league since 1992. Jeez. Yeah, that was for the Orioles in the, the Gulf League. I think I was 22 years old in 1992. Oh, man. Wow. Did I just date myself? When were you born? 79. Okay, I was, right. I was 13. So that was that was the year I was that was the year of the apex of my musical uh, existence. That was like when all of those records came out. That yeah. kind of formed who I am as a yes. music fan,
1: dude. It's it's funny how music does that because like I came up in the '80s, so you know, uh, you know, I was in the metal stuff and then the hard rock, and then you know, out of high school into the end of high school into the to the early you know late '80s. You know, U two came on and. Sting and Peter Gabriel, and I got into human rights. And um, just, yeah, it really shaped, the Rage Against the Machine came and it just made me more angrier. Anyways. <laughs> All right, <laughs> going back to the on. topic. Okay, so you spoke, uh, so Mad Fris, you spoke about him the other day. Jorman Rodriguez has always seemed that he can flat out hit. Where does he end up playing? Philip, we need to figure out what to do with Jorman because he needs to be a priority. We aren't in the business of developing designated hitters. I could just see him laughing about that right there. <laughs> I've also asked people if he can play some left field. He's better at first base than third base. He, uh, he does much work. He does much work at third, but he's a catcher. With Brett going up, he will get some more opportunities behind the plate. He's had some arm issues in the past, but we need to figure out how to get him in the lineup because all he does is hit and drive in runs. Sunday, when he got his first hit, I turned to Padron and said, does that surprise you? And he said, none whatsoever. <laughs> we have seen it all, at, at all levels. At every level, sorry. And my son played with him and said, Dad, I don't know what position he plays, but he can hit.
0: Yeah. So Yarman is working as a catcher. He's getting a lot of work as catcher right now because Sullivan's not in triple A.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, but he's played a little bit of third base, can play first base pretty darn well. Um, but you know, with the depth in the organization right now, yeah, there really aren't many opportunities at the big league level. So yeah. having some flexibility, being able to play wherever the team needs you. Yeah you, know, you never know when somebody's going to hit the IL but yeah. where that opportunity is going to come.
1: Yeah, and he's a big he's a big guy, so I don't see him staying at, obviously not in being a third baseman, but it's first a catcher, so it's either one of those.
0: All right, so you uh, picked something up out of uh, Jeff Sanders article in the UT um so Today. I'm going to I'm going to read I'm going to start reading this uh, So Jeff Sanders, the Padres' 16-year-old phenom, Ethan Salas, is catching two to three days a week in backfield games in Peoria, Arizona, and collecting at-bats throughout extended spring training's five-days-a-week schedule. The rookie-level Arizona Complex League doesn't start until the first week of June, but the organization appears to be prepping their big prize from the 2023 international signing period to make his first professional debut before then at Low-A Lake Elsinore. That's just bananas to me that you yeah. got a 16-year-old, he's not even 17 yet, and he's gonna be making his debut, a catcher, no less, making their debut in 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 single A.
1: Well, it's bananas. Things, I, I was talking to John Connor earlier this weekend, and he was talking about like he selling it's not like this is the first time he's played this much. He's been in an academy playing, you know, in high level of baseball since 12. So he's got four years of of grinding out games of being in that professional capacity almost, you know, professional training capacity, where we're not sending just any old 16 year old kid up here to Lake Elsinore that that's going to be going to be sore after a, you know, a month of playing. This kid's ready to go right now. And that's kind of the big thing. So the player himself, the playing time, isn't the issue. Um, And like I just said, he's been in the environment. He's been out of the house. He's been in these academies, for lack of a better term, living on his own, or at least living in a dorm situation in a a team setting since he was 12. So it's not like he's in a, you know, it's not like a sophomore out of Cathedral Catholic that's getting called up to high A and is going to blow all his money at the, you know, the arcade or whatever. Uh, It's someone who is polished and is ready to take that next step.
0: Right, and and now at this point, they've been watching him every day for what two yeah. and a half, three months. Um, you had, what catch- catchers and pitchers reported in what around around Valentine's Day, yeah. and I think he was in camp before that, working with the minor league guys. So now they've got an idea of just you know, how he carries himself day to day, and and how he is off the field. So then the next question that he addresses is: so you move him to to single A. Who's in single A right now? How does that affect, you know, all the 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 steps up the ladder above that? Because we were just talking about finding playing time for Jorman Rodriguez at AAA. So um, Jeff sets, he says, it's a move that figures to create some shuffling among the Padres catching prospects. And Anthony Villar could be a benefactor after a hot start with a storm. The 24-year-old catcher is hitting 378, 509, 733 with three homers, 12 RBIs, and nearly as many walks as strikeouts, 12 walks to 14 strikeouts. More important, Velar, an infielder at Miami when the Padres drafted him in the 15th round in 2021, has taken on a leading role in helping Lake Elsinore's young pitching staff, led by Robbie Snelling and Isaiah Lowe, hit the ground running while making their professional debuts in the California League. Yeah. Quote, he's been a clear leader, Padres assistant farm director Mike Daly, uh, on that Lake Elsinore team that's off to a hot start. Villar's maturity, slow heartbeat, soft hands, and quick feet all stood out at Miami as the Padres identified him as a candidate to catch in pro ball. He also has above average arm strength, all of it helping him record pop times as low as 1.86 seconds early in an assignment that was a step back after Villar spent all of 2022 at high A. Fort Wayne, um and that's that's an interesting observation. That yeah. last year he was at Fort Wayne all year, struggled, didn't do a whole lot. But you learn a lot about the player, about the person, yeah. when you're in that situation. And then now this year he starts off hot, and I mean it's it's only, it hasn't even been a month in Lake Elsinore, but really you're looking at the guy like,
1: okay, what do you have left to prove here? So yeah. it's time for him to move up. So you're not forcing anyone out of a position that doesn't deserve the promotion. And at 24, you need to see what Valar's got in the upper levels and see what, it, what if he can handle it. Uh, right. Bring a Celis in. I'm stoked, man. I, I can't wait. And here's the thing. So normally he would, players that young would go to the short season. So when did the short season start? Right around mid-June, right? That's right, Con, right. With, yeah, Con that's Con what he was said also here. Tell me too. about, you know, he's saying maybe before June, but that's right around mid-June is when, when the short season started. And that's just about the workload you want for someone so young. And, and you know, starting affiliate ball, I think. Right. And, and when you
0: start in rookie ball, your catchers, your pitchers that you're working with are rookies. It's a, it's a different kind of a situation. So at this point he's going to be coming into a staff that granted a lot of these guys are high school draftees. They're still young, um, but at least they've got a couple of months under their wing. They, they have a little bit more, you know, they're a little bit more advanced than the guys that he'd be seeing in the, in the Arizona summer league. Uh, Do you have the next quote up? Do you want me to, to catch that?
1: Catch yeah, that. I don't have the next quote up. Where do I okay.
0: have? So with a 226, so this is about uh, Villar still. Okay. Um, with a 226, 342, 321 batting line and two homers in 54 games last year with the Tin caps, Villar was clearly behind at least Brandon Valenzuela in the organizational depth chart below Salas the 22-year-old valenzuela remains a prospect in the organization but he's repeating fort wayne after hitting 209 334 348 last year and not doing much better with the bat this year hitting 217 280, 48 while sharing time behind the plate with colton bender who's off to a pretty solid start 357 438 on base has yet to hit an extra base hit uh and juan zabala um As for Velar, he's splitting time behind the plate in Lake Elsinore with 20-year-old Oswaldo Linares, but perhaps not for long, much longer because sometimes a step back is what you need to make leaps forward. That's yeah. a great quote yeah. quote. First and foremost, Anthony is a very mature guy and wants the opportunity to play Daly said. So it was a very easy conversation in spring training. He comes from a baseball family and he saw where the really op- real opportunity to play was besides where they start the year is on the organization and where they finish the year is on them. Yeah. So a couple of interesting things there. I, 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 this has got to be a difficult conversation when you're talking to somebody like, okay, last year you were at this level. This year we're going to start you at a lower level. Um, I'm sure a lot of guys would look at that and take that in a, in a bad, bad way, right, right, um, right? But with Brandon Valenzuela, Colton Bender, and Zabala was pretty much the everyday catcher in Lake Elsinore last year. So you got yeah. three guys that that need playing time. So where is he going to fit? Well, let's send you to Lake Elsinore. You can catch pretty much every day there. And he's taken that opportunity and ran with it, and so now it sounds like he's going to earn that opportunity to move up, and it's it'll be interesting to see who that displaces in Fort Wayne.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because if you've been watching any of the Fort Wayne games, it's cold in Fort Wayne. It's freaking freezing. Like they are wearing long sleeve jackets during the game. Like he, I'm sure he was like, yeah, it's a tough, that's a tough move, but you know, California beginning of the season, hell yeah, where it's going to be warm, I'll take it. And that shows you know with how he's been performing. And also Colton Bend has been around for a while. He's 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 gotta be up there in age as well. Right. He
0: was or he's 24 now, he was a college draftee. So you gotta think that he was uh you know he'd move a little bit quicker than yeah. some of the other guys.
1: All right, well then hey, let's get on with the affiliate rundown. Getting so much better all the time, he's getting better all the time. Well, hey, before we get to the affiliate rundown. You you would, you would tag me in this, like, last week. We even had an episode before this happened. But finally, so I work for UCSD, and the trolley now goes through the campus, and right along the outfield of Triton Ballpark is the trolley. So all this time when I'm driving to work, I'm going, dude, someday there's going to be a trolley bomb. And it really has to be an absolute bomb, and it happened last week. And it's, it's not just like right beyond the fence. It's like 30 feet up in the yeah. air, right? Yeah. It's it's 30-odd feet in the air, and it's about 20 feet past the fence, which is your normal college size. I don't know, 345 down the line, you know, probably 350 where it was hit. Um, it had to be in the mid-400s because it had to be 450 because it it was just an absolute noo,
0: right? And it didn't just hit the, tr- the 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 rail;
1: it hit the actual train. Yeah, and, and it stayed on the track. I saw the you see the picture later on of of the ball on the tracks.
0: Yeah, Rob Bishop, a friend of ours on Twitter, he's he's a dry a driver for the for MTS for the Toronto, okay. and he went out there and found the ball on the track.
1: Oh, that's classic! <laughs> How can you do that? Because there's no stop between where that ball was hit. And the next stop is like, there's a lot of space there.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I had, I didn't ask him. I'm right. wondering if they do like a safety <laughs> yeah. inspection or right. something at the start of the day right. and like walk, walk a certain section. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, he was up there to find the ball. So, uh, I, you know, I, I wonder if you put a dent in that.
1: Yeah. Start oh, putting a, a, like a mesh, you know, like the mesh lining. So it doesn't hit any of the, uh, the trolleys, but that's that's, oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. USU. Yes.
0: Let's go get carried away about personal safety. What if somebody <laughs> smashes the window with a baseball? Oh man, I'm you know I'm sure you encounter crazier things downtown with the homeless people and all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah I'm the trolley. All right. Well, take us lead us off on the affiliate rundown right. here.
1: The first, we want to thank Mad Friars for allowing us to use some of this content. Uh John Conniff and the group there are really good. You guys take the time. Um, you guys get the affiliate rundown for free, but the interviews with Wellman. He did four interviews for spring training um, with various top prospects for the Padres. Um, that's all behind the paywall, and it's super cheap. It's 50 bucks a year, and you get all the minor league coverage from the Padres that you'll ever want. Um, it's excellent, you guys. Take your time. Do it. If not, you got to listen to us. All right? But let's start out in Lake Elsinore. Strike one. Uh, Tuesday, right-hander Henry, uh, Henry Baez got the start and dominated the Rawhide lineup. Earning a second win of the season, the 21-year-old twirled five innings and allowed just one run on two hits while walking a pair and striking out seven. While still early in the season, Baez looked like he's a breakout candidate for the Storm. In 11 innings, he's allowed just seven hits on a pair of runs with 16 strikeouts. His command looked pretty spotty at times, but his stuff has been very impressive. Designated hit- hitter Albert Fabian was the only Lake Elsinore hitter with more than one hit. He lost a two-run homer around the right field pole in the sixth inning and singled in a pair of runs in the eighth inning. The 21-year-old broke out with a storm last season, earning a late-season promotion to Fort Wayne. He struggled to make contact with the Tim Caps and is back in Lake Elsinore looking to reestablish his power stroke. Through 14 games, Fabian is hitting 288, three thirty nine and 442. right Right-hander, friend of the podcast, coming back from Tommy John's surgery, flame-throwing. Harden Owen pitched the final inning of the game, striking out two. The former Hawaii reliever opened the season on the Storm roster, but was sent back to Arizona shortly after the season began. He had Tommy John surgery in 2021 and missed most of last season. He's healthy now and should get plenty of opportunity to pitch out of the back of the Storm bullpen.
0: All right, strike two on Thursday. Jagger Haynes pitched into the second inning, allowing one hit, walking one, and a uh, run scored on an error before his evening was over due to pitch count limitations as the Padres carefully work him back from Tommy John surgery. After setting down all four of his outs via the strikeout, Haynes now owns a two ERA, 2.08 ERA in his debut professional campaign. Fernando Sanchez struck out eight and three and two-thirds scoreless innings of work, adding to a combined total of 17 strikeouts for Lake Elsinore. Uh, Sanchez, a 22-year-old Southpaw from Ciudad Obregón, Obregón in Sonora, Mexico. I think that's where the Tomateros are. Uh, is 2-0 and with a 4.63 ERA and 19 strikeouts in 11 and 2-3 innings this year. Graham Oh, right, right. Uh, Graham Pauly is slashing. It's the Yaquis in Obregón.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, Graham Pauly is slashing 383, 471, 583, and 60 at-bats after Friday's <clears> two-hit <throat> performance. Pauly, who hit his second home run of the season, has made four appearances as the designated hitter, making his other 13 starts at third base. Graham Pauly is off to a heck of a
1: start. Yeah, absolutely. Him and Tyler Robertson are both off their just major, major starts. They're a little bit older, um, but certainly like to see it in their first uh, professional year of baseball. Also, Obergone is where Luis Udias Blades, oh, right wonderful. now,
0: Robertson, yeah. he's like he's like a singles machine, right? He's yeah, getting speed. on base and getting a lot of singles and speed.
1: Where Paulie's hitting for power, yeah, yeah, and he's fun to watch. Yeah, I watch a lot of those games, and, and dude, these guys just hit, just hits the ball really hard. Uh, but moving on to strike three, Friday, Robbie Stellan battled some command issues, but otherwise turned in another impressive start. Stellan pitched five solid innings for the second consecutive start and allowed just one run. He did walk four and strike out just three. Vassalia had four hits, but two were infield singles, and the others weren't hit that hard. Despite the command issues, Snelling still got through five innings on 75 pitches. The young lefty has been impressive with the storm this season. Those 16 Cactus League innings, Snelling has a 1.13 ERA. Now, Ian Koning, I get him and, and Carter Lowen mixed up. They both got the long hair, blonde hair. So the other night, I almost tweeted something with with Carter Lowen, but it was Ian it was Ian Koning. But he pitched the final four innings, earning his second save. A four-inning allowed... save? Yeah. Uh, Coney allowed two runs on five hits with four strikeouts. The 22-year-old at a Cabrillo Junior College has mostly piggybacked with Snelling. The 6'2 righty has walked just one batter in 13 innings while notching 15 strikeouts. Opposing batters are hitting just 188 against him. Slightly worse than the Texas League hitters are faring against his older brother, Jared, in San Antonio. I didn't know they were brothers. I, yeah, I had it. no idea. Uh, Snelling has been fun to watch. I am um, also, I have found, ladies and gentlemen, I've found how to record video. Like, I'm, well, how, how can everyone post these videos of, of minor league and, and major league stuff? How do they get to do that? I finally Google it, it's on my computer. So I go crazy. Like, you know, I'll be like, here's another hit. Here's a, like, another battle later. Okay, here's a double. Like, I'm going a little crazy with it, but I learn how to do it and it's a little fun. Hey, you know what? The, some of the other organizations
0: they have a, a minor league PR account, yeah. And the Padres don't quite have that, they don't have a, a minor league hype machine. And so, and in the meantime, they've got you know, guys like Jeff Sanders, they've yeah. got Mad Friars, and then they've got, they, they've got <laughs> they've us, got us yokels. <laughs> and so, by all means, pump all that out, you know,
1: Dude, there's what, no harm to it. It's the Royals, it's the Angels, it's uh, the Tigers, it's uh, Texas, they all have official you know tiger minor league development player page
0: yeah the the mariners too i remember uh i think it was during the covid year they were posting stat lines from their minor league uh games that year and it's like that that was just oh they're also showing like maximum uh batted ball velocity for guys and stuff just adding a little bit more information where the padres they're fine to just let everybody you know do their work in the background yeah but this whole Lake Elsinore pitching staff is just on fire right yeah. now. So I, it's got – I mean, obviously, they've got the talent in the arms, but that coaching staff is doing a really good job of, of getting these guys doing the right things right off the bat.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right, so taking it to Fort Wayne, strike one on Tuesday, Bodie Rascon tossed five scoreless innings. Rascon allowed just two hits and struck out six. It was the second time in three trips to the mound that Rascon has not allowed a run. He's racked up twelve strikeouts in just eight and two thirds innings this year. Last week, he was removed from the game after colliding with Marcos Castagnon. so i was I was pleasantly surprised to see Rascon's name back as a yeah. starter taking his turn because that collision it sounded like it looked a little bit. A uh, little scary. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, Marcos Castagnon continued his hot stretch, notching a single and two walks. First baseman Nathan Mortarella extended his on base streak to 16 games, highlighted by a third inning RBI triple. He also walked in the first inning.
1: Mortarella. <laughs> mortadella. That's a guy. We got to do something with his name.
0: I feel like they need to make a sandwich <laughs> <Right>. with Mortadella <laughs> and mozzarella and some some other ellas, and just put it all together and make
1: an Italian <laughs> sandwich for him. Oh, that's killing me. Okay, strike two thirds, the victor Lizaraga made his return to the mound after recovering from the bug that went around the 10 caps clubhouse. He allowed two runs on four hits, allowing none and striking out four, falling victim to the big fly and living the fifth inning without recording an out. The Natino Lizarga has struck out eight and ten and two thirds innings of work, posting an 0 01 record and a six point seven five ERA and three separate appearances after showing his promise with an eight three record eight and three record. And a three point four three ERA in twenty appearances for Lake Elsinore, in two thousand twenty two. That's fine. Let him continue to just develop. And you know, we don't scout the stat line. Uh, I've watched him pitch. You know, he just he just gets out of sync a little bit. But I'm, I'm really excited about this guy.
0: So even right. and and they want to see guys struggle. They want to see yeah. how they how they push through that kind of difficulty. Because yeah. um, you when you get somebody like Mackenzie Gore that moves up through the system and like hardly stumbles one bit it's like what's going to happen when they show up to the majors and get punched in the mouth yeah. so it's all right Lizarraga is young
1: he's working his way through it absolutely so Ethan Rousen rounds on two- I'd say roots on maybe we need on? to reach out and find out <laughs> through two scoreless innings roots on the 6-4 25 year old righty, pitch for St. John's collegiately Made 21 appearances for the 10-caps last year, hosting a 4.81 ERA with 20 strikeouts and 28.4 in the third innings of work. Um, gosh, you know, I hate to say it, but speaking of someone who's struggling right now uh, to get, you know, to get started is Jackson Merrill. But Jackson Merrill slugged his fourth double of the season, giving the Padres top prospect a hit in five of his last seven games. Josh Mears hit his second home run of the season, driving in a pair of runs. The Padres twice with the 40th pick in the 2019 draft is still slashing 180 255 and 340 and 50 at bats with 23 strikeouts as a prodigiously powerful outfielder continues to work at making consistent contact enough you know to make it you know a power play right yeah so
0: the power is obviously there the strikeouts are still there um but it's early in the season yeah. so yeah we'll see all right, so strike three, uh, for, it was a doubleheader. Game one, Jairo Iriarte recorded six of his nine outs by strikeout and only gave up one earned run, but it wasn't enough as the Tin caps offense managed only a pair of singles. Iriarte, our 13th-ranked prospect coming into the season, that's on Mad Friars lists, uh, has gotten plenty of bad swings from high-A hitters when he's been in the zone, racking up 23 strikeouts in 13 innings. However, he has been prone to wildness, issuing a season-high three walks on Saturday, and he labored through 77 pitches. While he started the day uh, hitting upper 90s with his fastball, he was down to 93-94 by the end of his day. Uh, game two, Fort Wayne bounced back in the nightcap with a strong pitching performance by Ryan Berger and a big three-run home run by Joshua Mears, age 22, in the third inning to put the Tin caps up for good. Mears' strikeout rate continues to hover north of 40%, but there are signs of improvement. In the fifth inning, he showed a solid two-strike approach and got a break when his ground ball hit second base and flew over the infield's head for a single. So that's interesting that they're seeing a difference in a, that that he has a dedicated two strike approach, Yeah, because I would imagine that a power hitter like that, his bat is through the zone so quickly when he's, you know, when he's going, when he's reaching for power. Yeah, So being able to shorten up and, and go for contact on that two strike approach might help him.
1: Yeah. I've seen it with him. The hands are so quick. It's pitch recognition. You know, he gets, he gets, he's swinging well over. The, the slider, you know, the outdoor slider. And and it's tough. And I've seen him have really good at bath where, where he spits on that pitch. And I've seen him do the same thing over again. Okay, here it is. Got, you know, runners in scoring position, two outs. He, you know, you almost, you know, you can feel the aggressiveness in his in his plate appearance. And then that slider will come and he'll just swing right over it. it. It takes time. He's still 22. That's the thing. He's been around for a while now, but he's still only 22. So there's plenty of time for Josh and there's, like I always say this all the time, there's always going to be swing and miss in his in his game. For sure, for sure. All right. So San Antonio, strike one. Tuesday, it was the pitcher's duel throughout the first four innings. Nolan Watson, the Royals' first round pick in 2015, allowed a pair of runs, only one of which was earned. The run he allowed on Tuesdays were the first scored against him in four outings, leaving him with a sparkling .64 ERA after 14 innings. He didn't walk a batter and strike out just one. The missions collected 10 hits. First base on Pedro's Castellanos. Castellanos has been swinging a hot bat, kept things going through with a, a pair of singles. The infielder rated batting average to 200. That is something like after an impressive feat, you know, opening the season two for 29. Thank you. Sir Ornellos ended a one for 16 slump with a pair of hits. He singled, doubled, drew a walk, and drove in a run. Strike two on Wednesday, uh, lefty
0: Jackson Wolfe. Oh, Rawr! Gave the missions their first double digit strikeout performance of the season as the former Mid West Virginia product punched out 10 naturals in a mid morning start. He was consistently ahead, throwing 63 of his 86 pitches for strikes. During the five innings of Wolf's start, the naturals only had one at bat with runners in scoring position. The only run he allowed came on a solo homer in the first inning. Wolf now leads the club and is tied for third in the Texas League with 26 strikeouts in 15 to two thirds innings. So we heard in spring training that he uh, that the velo had ticked up just a little bit that he was he came in last season. He was throwing like 86 to 89. Now this year he's he's touching like he's 91 to 93. So maybe a little bit of added velo is helping him out. Um, So reliever Kevin cops tossed a season high three scoreless innings to earn his first save in the blowout cops who entered with a 2.22 whip did not walk a batter for the first time in five appearances on the year and allowed a season low one hit cops had walked eight and hit three batters in just under eight innings. Ripken Reyes has been back with the missions for four games. He has three multi-hit games and a crisp 4-12, 5 line since being de- uh, activated from the development list. He also drove in a pair of runs Wednesday afternoon. So, Cops, I was surprised to see that he pitched not just a multi-inning appearance, but three innings. That's yeah. a long stint for a reliever.
1: Yeah, maybe they're trying to stretch him out. Maybe they're just like, hey, the going's getting good. Let him keep going. All right, maybe it was just one of those
0: days where yeah. the bullpen was short, yeah. and we need somebody to go out there and and eat some innings for us. But uh, that's that's promising. Hearing that he maybe he's turning a bit of a corner.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And also Ripken Reyes, dude. He came. He was sent down the development list, and it's come back. And when I was putting together the the uh, the affiliate rundown for for Double A, I'm like, every goddamn game he's a double single, like hitting for average. He's just raking right now. A little bit older. I think he's twenty six. Um, but, hell, it's good to see him come back and come on strong.
0: Yeah, we saw him last year in Lake Elsinore, and the guy's just a gamer. Like, he's yeah. one of these, he's, well, air quotes, ball player, right. that you can put him anywhere all over the place, does everything pretty darn well. All yeah, right. he's so, he's 26. He just turned 26 yeah. April 1st. Happy birthday. Happy
1: birthday. Strike three, Friday down five to four in the bottom of the tenth. Catcher Michael De La Cruz smashed a two-run double to give the missions the walk-off victory on a jersey giveaway night. The double was a part of a two-hit night for De La Cruz. The veteran singled, doubled, drew a walk, and drove in three runs. Over the last three games, the former Blue Jay and Tigers farmhand is 6-for-13. In nine games this season, he is hitting .256, .359, .500. Ryan Gonzalez tossed three innings to open the game. Reliever Edwin Bencomo threw three solid innings on his own. Bencomo allowed a run on two hits, striking out a pair of batters. The 24-year-old doesn't possess big-time stuff, but he's been a consistent and reliable option as a multi-inning reliever during his time in the system. This year has been no exception. Bencomo has a 3.95 ERA while holding a- opposing batters to a 167 average. He's gone more than one frame in six of the seven appearances. I keep seeing his name wrong. I keep wanting to say Ben Combo. Keep putting an O there. You're seeing extra letters. (laughs) It's just all the O's and M's. (laughs)
0: so before we we jump into el paso i i touched on ryan weathers earlier and i wanted to chat with you about that um did you happen to see so the day that he got sent back down to el paso and they brought tom cosgrove up we heard that tom cosgrove was coming up there was a little bit of well what's going to happen is it going to be kerr going down it turned out to be ryan weathers and i think it makes some sense but there was some some noise on twitter partly partly
1: coming from immediate family members. You know, and and that's what you're gonna do. You know, th- nothing of it was to, uh, With the mom, I think what the mom, or sister said was 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 a little bit on the uh, eyebrow raising with the time to move on. But the dad, I, I, you know, I think did it right. He comes with 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 facts, and is like when he pitched against the Mets, he started the game ninety one ninety two. By the end of the by the end of the game, he was hitting ninety seven. Now his next start, he did not he did not that Velo stayed the same. Uh, still pitched pretty well, and then coming out of the bullpen, you see it—you know—different routine. Uh, maybe not enough time to to get warmed up enough to get the velo up. But that's kind of been, you know, weather's thing. Is like the velo comes up and comes down. Uh, that's gonna, he's going to have to learn how to pitch, and I think it does him better when he can't rely on the 97 mile an hour fastball every time. Like he has to learn how to pitch, and also his dad has to know. Being you know 19 years in the majors. That it's a crunch move it's a roster move it has nothing to do with performance it's like you're not going to send down you're not going to option you're not going to take it. yeah he needs. he has options sorry he has options send him down i'm sure melvin said look you see the writing on the wall it's not about your performance it's that you're the one that can go down right right yeah
0: nobody else on the in among the starting pitcher pool has minor league options right. um and really his value to the team is as a starter and you can put him in the bullpen. He'll get the job done. But when somebody needs to take a couple of weeks off, because at some point somebody's going to hit the injured list and you need guys ready in, in AAA to be able to come up and take that, take that ball and go with it. And so I think for him to stay on a, on a starter's routine, um, stay on that rhythm. That's, that's where that's where he's supposed to be. And long-term if as the player, you want to be a starting pitcher because starting pitchers just simply get paid more than relief pitchers. Yeah. So yeah, his, his dad's takes were definitely more measured um, where the mom said, hashtag I'm over it or something like that. I was hoping that that means, okay, I'm over this argument. I've said what I have to say. Right. Uh, hopefully the lesson for everybody to learn is that you know, family members probably should keep their thoughts off of social media because nothing good ever comes from that.
1: It doesn't. And then you get potty fans that are quote tweeted and go like, you know, keep quiet mama or whatever, which I think is stupid. Although I did quote tweet uh, his dad, but weather's report, you know, which was true. Like it yeah. wasn't. Yeah, it's weather true weather's report. Well, right. and that I mean,
0: what he said was it was useful information yeah. that not everybody's wired to be able to come into a game and throw Max. You know, not everybody's Nick Martinez that right. they can go out there just frothing at the mouth and pump max Velo right off, you know, first pitch. Yeah. So some guys, that's how they, they're built is just to to get stronger as the game goes on. And that's a great thing for a starter yeah. because then the, the batters they're used to seeing, okay, I'm seeing 91, 92. I got them timed up. And then they see him a second time and now it's 94 and it gets on them just a little quicker. Okay, so moving to El Paso. Uh, strike one. On Tuesday, the Chihuahuas trailed 13 to 7 in the sixth inning uh, before scoring 10 unanswered runs to come back and beat the Salt Lake bees 17 to 13. Brandon Dixon went two for four with two late home home runs and four RBIs in the win, and his second homer broke the the 13-13 tie. It landed halfway up the doghouse in right center field. Catcher Mike Cantu answered the game in the fourth inning as a pinch hitter and ended up going two for two with two bases-loaded walks (laughs) and five RBIs. I don't know. A a bases-loaded walk kind of feels like a cheap RBI, but I guess you got to earn it by spitting on those pitches. Hell yeah. Uh, El Paso pinch hitters haven't been retired in five plate appearances this this season. Matthew Batten broke out of an 0-for-11 slump with a three-hit night that included a pair of doubles. Jay Groom turned in another rough start, allowing eight earned runs on nine hits, three walks, and just one strikeout in four and a third innings rehabbing big leaguer drew pomeranz his results were not as good as he made his first appearance at triple a pomeranz recorded just one out and allowed three runs on three hits with a walk his velocity was well below his normal 94 right. miles an hour as el paso manager philip wellman said in his interview with john conniff yorman rodriguez may be a man without a position but he can hit that sentiment rang true through tuesday as the 25 year old singled twice and doubled to raise his average to 350. Last season, Rodriguez hit a th- career high 15 homers with the Missions. The power isn't necessarily going to be part of his game, but he makes consistent hard contact. In 70 plate appearances, he struck out just six times. Um, so the Pomeranz note yesterday, we came to learn that he has been air quotes shut down. Yeah, which tells me he's not going to be throwing yeah. a pitch, a competitive pitch, for quite a while. I, I at some point you got to wonder when the player is just going to decide it's time to hang
1: them up or right you know
0: well, when is contract, too much
1: too much yeah well under contract you you do what's best for that employee the best you can do is to get him back to where he can play and he can work and he can perform um shutting him down is just another way of of you know, trying to do that and right it, it, it's heartening it's disheartening uh it happens sometimes you know it, it doesn't happen to the pot is very often where they sent a guy for four years. Now I'm starting to kind of think the same way a little bit about Robert Suarez, but you know, that's, once again, it's very early in his, in his contract, but Drew just, I felt so bad. You know, when I, um when I was talking to Griffin Dorshing, uh, he poked his head out uh, of, of the, uh, of the, of the, of um, the, of the locker room. And I almost said, Hey, Hey, you, but I did. I was talking to Griffin Dorshing. Uh, it's just one of those things, man. It just, it, it happens. And and Jay Groom, you know, he pitched here last year in, in the Pacific Coast League. It just those starts can start piling up on you real quick. And two bad, two bad outings. Um, and you know, you can get really down on yourself and it can really screw with your confidence. So I, I think he knows that this happens in the Pacific Coast League, but it you know, it's it, it is what it is. And yeoman Rodriguez, I these are one of those guys where you know you he's not gonna get an MLB shot. He's going to end the season as a minor league free agent, get signed to some team. And we're going to see him about midseason hitting, you know, fifth or sixth in some lineup, you know, and making a name for himself. Like Wilma right. said, we have to keep him here and keep him ready just in case we need him.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and you know, he's a good depth, kind of a piece. If you want to look at it like that. Um, I, yeah. I pulled up Palmer. <laughs> so Pomerantz is playing on a third four year, $34 million contract and he hasn't, I mean, he made, he, he pitched in 27 games in 2021. I don't remember that. That seems like a mirage to me. I feel like he's hardly pitched on this contract at all. Uh, but the people have been asking about, well, what can they do to recoup some of that money? You can't, it's nope. a guaranteed contract. Yeah. He's going to get paid. Um, you know, I, I understand that oftentimes teams take out some sort of insurance policy. I hope that they did in this case, uh because he was healthy in 2019 he had a really strong year in 2019 split between the giants and the brewers and that's where he started out as a starter and then went back to relief and all of a sudden he was this like flame throwing lockdown reliever again and we were stoked to get him good. we were super we stoked were to get him stoked to bring him back yeah and i was sad to see him go uh but it's just it's it's just it's it's rotten it's yeah
1: it's, uh, you know, it's funny in this game. I, I watch I watch all the games in, in in almost in chronological order from farthest away to like so I'll start in Fort Wayne, I'll get into the missions game, uh, then the storm in, in El Paso start, and I saw the like thirteen to seven like all right I'll I'm not going to go back to this game, but I still have it up on the tab, and the other games had stopped and I turned it on and I started watching and that's when I saw the Brandon Dixon home run. I think I posted that video on on Twitter, and I was like, "Holy cow! Like, holy cow! Ten unearned, you know, unanswered runs. They weren't playing in Mexico City either. They were not. They were playing the Pacific Coast League, which is Mexico City light. <laughs> it's it's the next step down, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so here's something: strike two. So Wednesday, just 24 hours after signing a minor league deal with the Padres, with the Padres, Jose Iglesias. Yeah, the one-time Detro- Detroit. I think Detroit. Draft, uh, draftee, uh, that was getting comps to Miguel Cabrera and looks back, what, four or five years ago, uh, signed as a free agent with the Padres. And a few hours later, he signed a minor league deal with, and he was hitting. He was a starting he, shortstop for El Paso. Yeah. He,
0: uh, he actually came into the league with Boston. So he okay, was awesome. with Boston in 2011 through 13, and then he went to Detroit. That's- and yeah, I, I know him. Uh, as you know, a slick fielding infielder with Detroit for many years. Yeah, he even he even earned an All Star bid
1: in 2015. Yeah, he, Iglesias is the owner of a thousand major league hits, uh, including the 128 last year as a rocky starting shortstop. He picked up right where he left off by reaching base in each of his three plate appearances. Given this MLB pedigree, if he puts up solid numbers, he could find his way onto the Padres bench. He made the American League All Star team back in 2015 with Detroit. Brandon Dixon went three for four with a solo home run in the bottom of the seventh inning, his third home run in the last two games. Since the sixth inning of on Tuesday, Dixon is five for six with three homers. Reese Kinnear got the win, pitching the fifth and sixth inning. Drew Carlton pitched a perfect seventh and eighth inning, and Eric Hanhold pitched a scoreless ninth inning for his save. Brandon Dixon now is in the background. Of like nine Padre Polaroids in Mexico City. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, he got to have a fun weekend.
0: Man, those oh guys have a lot of fun down there, dude. All right, so strike three on Friday. Preston Tucker hit a two run single in the bottom of the 10th inning to give the El Paso Chihuahuas a six to five win. Tucker went four for five with four singles and was the first Chihuahua player with four hits in a game since Fernando Tetsi Jr. on April 15th. Those four hits raised his batting average from 239 to 294. It was El Paso's first extra inning game of the season. Uh, It was also the first game in Southwest University Park with the ABS Challenge System. Five pitches were challenged and only one call was overturned. El Paso uh, Anderson Espinosa made his first appearance in two weeks after being suspended for 10 games for misusing Rosin to create too much tack in his last outing Espinosa made it through just three and two thirds innings walking five though. He did not. He did notch five strikeouts. So the challenge system is interesting. They started using that last year uh, and, I'm not sure if I like that better than just a straight up automated, uh, but it adds a little bit of drama that the pitch happens. And I I haven't seen how it works. Is it, is it the batter that like raises a hand or something? And
1: I don't know if it's the manager, if it's the batter that goes like, uh, here it is. But then they show it on the big screen and you get your answer right away. Yeah. So one of the things that did make, didn't make the agenda uh, this episode was Sam Blum, who writes for uh, the athletic that covers the angels, wrote an article on the tacky baseball that they are the major league baseball is testing out in the Southern league. Now we talked last week about or the week before about the no hitter that the rocket city trash pandas threw and still lost. Well, that was a tacky ball game and the trash pandas are the double a for the um, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim end of sentence. Um, I'm going to be interviewing him tomorrow, Monday. So we're going to have an interview on that article and what he wrote about the tacky baseball that they're using in Double A in the Southern League for next week's episode.
0: Right. It sounds like it's an experiment that's not going super great because there's right. a lot of guys getting hit by pitches. Sounds like wild pitches and uh, pass balls are, are an issue like more than other leagues.
1: Yeah, and then the other guys that – are kind of feeling it are like throwing like absolute wiffle balls that are just oh really yeah yeah the article goes like the first forty two players there were forty two strikeouts in the game that that one of these games that they played uh, it's gonna be really interesting I'm gonna have him I'll talk to him tomorrow morning we'll have it uh, on the uh, on the episode next week but other guys like there's a hundred and two mile an hour guy that throws and that's dangerous like like you said oh, yeah it, it could it could end someone's career another thing that we're going to talk about is that development, like double A guys are on the cusp of really making it to the major leagues. Right. So you're kind of messing with an essential part of their tools. Yeah, absolutely. So it'll be interesting to talk to him about that next week you know I hadn't
0: thought about the fielding side of it and it now that just makes me think back so I remember being at Qualcomm Stadium in the late 90s and watching Ken Caminiti sitting sitting up in the upper deck on the first base side and watching him take grounders and he would throw his sidearm release his ball would run so much arm side and so with you when you get a ball that's extra tacky I could see how that that ball could run even that much more
1: Well, so as as an outfielder, they have you. They they tell you not to throw any part of the seam. So if you can, when you pick up the ball, don't throw the ball at the seam because anytime you touch the seam, it will. It'll have that run. Okay.
0: Yeah. So, but in Japan, they figured it out. In Japan, what I think Mizuno supplies the baseballs for uh, the KBO and and uh, the Japanese leagues. and they use a pre tacked ball. It's a brighter white ball since they don't have to rub it up with mud. Yeah. Uh, and they've had that for years now. So why can't Rawlings figure out the same thing?
1: And that's going to be one of the questions that I ask him. My first thought was like, okay, the ball's a little tacky. So when it gets hit on the ground, does dirt get picked up on it? <laughs> oh? I, mean, I, you know, I don't know how long the ball, you know, the ball doesn't last that long in play, but like, I was just thinking.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, so you're a fielder. Now you pick it up and you get, it's a mud ball. You got mud on right. one side. Now, now I'm a, as a golfer, I'm doing You get mud on one side of the ball. You got to play it where it lies and it's going to go. It's going to take off in the direction you got the mud on it. All uh, right.
1: Well, Roy, you have a good time at the, the games this week yeah
0: you can reach me on twitter at sd donovan i am at zippy underscore tms and please if you have any feedback for us let us know reach out to us on twitter uh like us subscribe to our podcast all of that good stuff i feel like we don't don't hype ourselves up yeah give us some some feedback you know if you like what we do tell us if you don't like what we do tell us what we could do better absolutely till then Go Padres. Go Padres. I it's getting better. It's a little better. All the time. Yes, I admit. It's getting better.
1: It's getting better. Since you.